This is Liam Hendricks and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Byroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I hope you find yourself warm. It's incredibly snowy, it's incredibly cold, it's incredibly miserable outside in almost every part of the country, unless you live in like Miami or something, I guess you're doing all right. But for the most part, I'm assuming that if you're watching this, you're dealing with some sort of weather issue at some point throughout the next day or so. I'm looking out the window right now, and it is an absolute blizzard outside. I'm actually kind of enjoying it. I think it looks pretty, so that'll be cool around the Christmas season. Listen, speaking of pretty. There's one baseball team in Major League Baseball right now that is having more fun than everybody else. It's not the Chicago White Sox. It's not the Chicago Cubs. But it is from a large metropolitan where you would expect to be paying lots of money. Yes, it comes from the Big Apple. No, it's not the New York Yankees, surprisingly. It's actually the New York Mets. They are lighting the baseball world on fire. So. What do I do when a certain team in baseball or hockey or anywhere is lighting the world on fire? I bring in somebody smarter than me to help talk about it. Of course, this time around, in terms of talking about the New York Mets, I'm going to be bringing in fan-sided's rising apple site expert, Tim Boyle. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing good, Vinny. Thank you for the compliments. I'm sure you're my go-to guy for anything Chicago sports. Absolutely. I, I mean... We all know what we're doing here at Fansided when it comes to being the site experts, but there's a couple sites that I believe do outstanding work. They all do outstanding work, but I think Rising Apple is cream of the crop, and I'm not just saying that because you're right here on the show. I'm literally, I'm a big fan. I go to the site all the time. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I'm not like a... I'm I'm a White Sox fan, obviously. I'm wearing a Red Sox shirt, yeah, but I'm a yeah. White Sox What's fan. What's with that? Okay, so I, there are teams I root for because of players on the team or former White Sox players that moved on. Obviously, this is a Mookie Betts shirt. I always have liked Mookie Betts, so I would root for the Dodgers if Mookie Betts is up to bat. Um, I love the Mets. I think they're kind of like the New York version of the White Sox in terms of, like, they're the smaller team. Um, hello to Joseph Mandel. Good to see you. Good to have you in the chat. But, yeah, I love the Mets. I think you do great work. So I want to ask you, how did you get involved with Fansided? Where did that all start? Oh, uh, man, I, I've been with them for years. And then, um, I don't know, I think I just found, originally I started a call to the pen. This was way, way back, maybe like 2013, 2014. 
And if conveniently, it was right after I had gotten a job, so I didn't have as much time to devote to it as much as I wanted. And then I ran into a really lousy site expert who tried to take credit for my work because he said it took too much editing. So I, ju I, I jumped away, did my own thing for about two years, and then I came back uh, to call to the pen, and the site expert there was really good, uh, very hands-on, gave great advice, and then... In April of 2018, um, I received a message uh, saying, hey, would you like to be the new set expert at Rising Apple? And I've been there ever since. I love that. Okay, so of course we're talking about the New York Mets. This 2022 season that just came and went behind us was a very interesting one for the New York Mets. They were one of the best teams in Major League Baseball all season long. Then they kind of, they didn't even really play bad in September or August or anything like that. The Atlanta Braves just decided to go on an absolute run. Both teams ended up getting bounced from the playoffs in their first opportunity to. What do you make of the 2022 season as a whole, though, for the New York Mets? I think it was a good thing to build off of, um, you know, obviously, as you said, they just kind of ran out of road at the end. Uh, the playoffs, you know, they still won one out of the three games. And the fact of the matter was that they got one hit in that third game. Um, I know a lot of people were angry about the way um, Scherzer pitched in the first game and then how Bassett pitched in game three. But the problem was they just didn't have the offense. And uh, I think that was a big issue with a team that every that was just lingering. They just they had a lot of singles, doubles, hitters. They didn't really have the guy with the pop. They never got him. Um, Vogel back, he had his moments, but he just wasn't that guy. And um, all offseason, the one thing they've needed to address was the big bat, and they recently got that with uh, Carlos Correa. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get to Carlos Correa in just a minute. Um, he's kind of what made me want to have a Mets-themed show, I would say. But the last of the negatives when it comes to the New York Mets this offseason, the only other negative thing other than recapping how last season ended is the loss of Jacob deGrom. He's been one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball for the better part of the last decade or so. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He'll be remembered as one of the nastiest pitchers. His five best years are as good as any five best years I've ever seen. And so I wonder from you, somebody who covers and watches the team closely, cheers for the team, what did that loss mean to you? It meant something completely different three weeks ago. Um, and now it's kind of almost forgotten in a lot of the ways. Uh, he chose to leave. He had a chance to stay. Um, we don't know exactly what kind of proposal they had given to him, what kind of contract. Um, my guess would be that it would probably be something shorter uh, which means less guaranteed money in the end. Um, he, he's a guy that's always seemed to kind of want to maybe be somewhere else or get the most money. Uh, he didn't, he never connected with the fans the way that I think a lot of people think he may have. It was always his abilities that people fell in love with, but him as a person, he, he comes out to uh, simple man. That's his song. He comes out to the mound on. And I think that really is a description of the person so from a personal standpoint, he didn't really fit New York a lot of the time. Um, as a player, yeah, he's going to be missed. But the way they just days later added Verlander, then Quintana, Sanga, uh, everything else they've done, it's if, – if they did, weren't able to replace him in a major way, I think we'd still be feeling. But I, I think a lot of Met fans have actually moved on. He took out a thank you ad uh, today. Uh for, with a fan. So I, I, th I think it's, it's thank you. Um, best of luck in Texas. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you touched on Verlander. Obviously, he's been one of the best pitchers in the last uh, decade or maybe even longer than a decade, obviously, with the Detroit Tigers and the Houston Astros. Now he comes to the New York Mets. He just won the Cy Young in the American League. He had an under two ERA, was one of the best pitchers in the league again after two years off. He comes to the New York Mets and is going to replace Justin or is going to replace Jacob deGrom. Got to be pretty excited about that. Oh, yeah. There was nothing else the Mets could have done other than uh, get J- uh, get Justin Verlander to replace uh, Jacob deGrom. I know there's kind of some people saying he's he's too old, but the thing is, he just won the Cy Young. He just won a World Series. He's only signed for two years guaranteed with an option for a third year. It's a brilliant move. The guy can handle the biggest of situations. He's been in scrutiny for his personal life. I, I mean, we all remember the pictures that came out a few years ago with his uh, wife. So the guy can really handle anything. So um, I think that that was the move they had to make. And they've just continued to pile on top of it. And, you know, he's going to be exciting to watch uh, both on the field and how he handles things in the New York media. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be exciting. And he joins up with Scherzer. They were the one-two in Detroit all those years back when they reached a World Series. Does their age concern you a little bit? Yes and no. I mean, it's such a short-term thing, and I think the Mets are really just trying to go for it this year. Um, with If they come up short, they'll have another chance next year. Uh, Scherzer almost worries me a little bit more because it seems like he misses about five, six starts each year. And when he was with the Dodgers in 2021, I think it was dead arm syndrome that got the best of him in the postseason. And then last year, his one playoff start he had for the Mets, he, it was possibly one of his worst. And even in the regular season uh, against Atlanta, he didn't do so well. So he would concern me more than Verlander um, in terms of age. Uh, Verlander, as you said, he missed time already. So I think there's kind of a point in a lot of pitchers' careers where they have to go through the Tommy John surgery and miss a lot of time. And even with older pitchers in their 30s, maybe they're going to miss time. So the Mets have a lot of great pitching depth. So I think even if they do miss a month, they'll be perfectly fine. I, I mean, they did it last year without Jacob DeGrom for half the season and Scherzer missed time. So I, I'm not really concerned about their age. Okay, absolutely. And I, I agree with you completely. Jose Quintana, he's going to come join the rotation. If you can't tell I like pitching. Um he played for the White Sox for a while. Obviously, they got a pretty big haul for him with the Jose Quintana trade with the Chicago Cubs. But then he played kind of poorly with the Cubs. And then he moves on to the Pirates last year and just has an awesome start to the season to the point where a division contender, the St. Louis Cardinals, wants to bring him in. And he pitched pretty well for them as well. The Mets are like, OK, we'll take him. He could be our three, four, probably maybe even five guy. What do you make of adding him to the rotation? Yeah, I'm not as high on him as some other people. Um, I get it. He, he He's actually somehow like the youngest guy in the rotation other than uh, Senga. He, I, I think Quintana's about 32, 33 years old, which some days I wish I was again. But I, I can see there's, there's an upside to him. And he's just going to be a guy in the back, back of the rotation, uh, three, four, maybe five. And the fact that he's he's kind of a different pitcher. So I think having that lefty in the middle of the rotation can kind of maybe confuse lineups in a series. You go Scherzer, Verlander, Quintana. He's a very different pitcher. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to keep my keep uh, faith that he will continue to do well, but I wouldn't be surprised if he disappoints a little bit. 
That makes sense. And it's not like the Mets are going to be in big trouble if he disappoints, especially since they brought in a guy, Kodai Senga. All the hype coming out of Japan. Every team in the league seemingly wanted him. And like a lot of other players this offseason, the Mets were the team that got their guy. Where do you cut? Where do you stand on, you know, believing in him coming to North America right away and taking it to the next level? My one concern is that uh, in the Japanese leagues, they do the six-man rotations. They pitch once a week. Um, so the Mets are going to have to get creative, especially with their pitching depth, uh, which they do have. They have David Peterson. Uh, they have Tyler McGill. Uh, so I think they're going to do something similar as they did last year with Peterson going uh, back and forth between the minors. Tyler McGill, he also has minor league options. And then there's other guys um, that could possibly give them length. They might be able to turn to an opener. So with Senga, that that's the only concern I really have. You never really know with international players. His deal is pretty favorable. Um, I saw today that there's actually a clause in his contract, too, that if he uh, undergoes Tommy John surgery, it really uh, changes a lot of the financials, which I guess doesn't really matter anyway if we're talking about Steve Cohen. Um, so Senga, I'm excited to see, but I really don't know what to expect out of him. That makes sense. So we get off pitching. Mets have a lot of stars all over the field. It's been fun to watch for the last couple of years how they've kind of built this thing through, you know, spending money in free agency and making trades and stuff like that. Well, for those who don't know, this is our first show since the Correa news, so I'm going to explain it quickly. Correa signs with the San Francisco Giants. We talked about that on our last show. He's going to the Giants. He was wearing his uniform for the presser a couple days ago. He's wearing the underwear for it, too. Yeah, yeah. And the Giants were like, hold on a second, Mr. Correa. We don't love the way your physicals looks. We're disagreeing with things that doctors are saying. We're going to push this back a little bit. And when Stephen Cohen found this out, him and Boris, Boris is a war criminal in a lot of baseball opinions, baseball people's opinion. He's a genius. Less than 20 hours later, he signed with the New York Mets and spurned the San Francisco Giants. What? did that feel like i don't know if you were awake for it i was sadly awake for it i was sadly awake for it and i started getting all these articles on Southside showdown because you could spin it in any which way he's leaving the central division whatever but i was stunned at this news and i was like the freaking mets they're like the old yankee but in like a good way and they're just buying whoever they need they're gonna win the world series hopefully over the next couple years what do you make of this carlos correa signing yeah, it really caught everybody off guard. I mean, when somebody agrees to a deal, especially of that magnitude, $350 million, it gets done. You you take a risk. At worst, maybe you change the amount of money. There was no time for this. It was just a big holdup for his press conference to make it official. And everybody thought it was just something minor. And maybe it is in the end. We don't really know uh, what the medicals that uh, the Giants disagreed with were. So, I mean, I I woke up and I thought I missed something. It's one of those moments where you think you're lucid dreaming that you don't know what's going on. I think it's a fantastic move, and it just makes the Mets more of the bad guys uh, being able to do it so swiftly, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, oh, I've seen plenty of people with disdain for the Mets over it now. I don't really get it personally. I'm like, you know, we'll touch on Stephen Cohen in a minute, but I'm like, they have an owner that like is actually trying to do it right instead of just being a greedy 
D-bag over the whole thing like the rest of the owners in the league. But really quick on Correa, he's making a position change. He's been a shortstop his whole career. He was with the Houston Astros and then the one year with the Minnesota Twins. He's going to play third base now. Do you believe this is something that is smart on his part, on the Mets' part, to bring a shortstop over to third base? We've seen it work in the past. We've seen it work in the past in New York. So what do you make of that? Yeah, that doesn't really concern me. I mean, I think everybody's the be, a lot of the best players start off as shortstops anyway, and they just move to third base or second base. So maybe there's going to be a little bit of adjustment. Um, it has worked out poorly for some other teams. I don't know if you remember when uh, Jose Reyes and Hanley Ramirez on the uh, Marlins, when they actually tried to win, they were on the left side of the infield, two former shortstops. Um, I think it was Ramirez who tried to do third base uh, when that happened, and they just didn't get along. But Lindor and Correa, from what we know, they're actually really good friends. So I think they're going to make that part of it work. It's not going to be another situation with where Jeff McNeil and Lindor are getting in a fight in the uh, in the tunnel. Um, this team, they, they jive really well now. I think that was a big difference that we saw in 2022 as opposed to 2021. And um, I think I, I I don't I'm not concerned about Correa. I, I, I he's a great fielding shortstop, and he might even end up being a better third baseman. Yeah, that would make sense. And yeah, those two guys are just absolutely unbelievable. Um, does contract worry you at all? Does that just not bother you at all? Like, who cares what's going on in 2040 or whatever? Like, yeah, me. yeah, it, it's it's not going to affect me financially, so I don't really care about that. Um, and, and the AAV is what, like 25, 26 million. Yep. It's, it's not even that outrageous. I mean, Lindor's is the more outrageous one. It's like 34. It's one of the top five or so in the league, but not, neither of them are really an issue. It's not an issue until it prevents you from doing other things with the team. And it, I don't think it's gonna, would you say Carlos Correa is the best player on the New York Mets now? Close. It's close. I, I I think it's going to be him, Lindor, or Alonzo, one of those three. Alonzo brings something completely different than those two. It's that power, and he's becoming a complete player. He can field now. He's re, he's increasing his batting average. He's really cutting down on the strikeout. So I would almost say that he's the best player. He's, he's one of the – he's the biggest difference maker. I, th- I think Lindor and Correa, they'll have – the, the OBP numbers, the batting average consistently, gold glove. But I think Alonzo was really the core of this lineup. Absolutely. I honestly, I love that answer. I mean, he's one of the most exciting players. There's a reason he's in the home run derby every year. He's just super mm-hmm. exciting. He's electric. He makes the Mets extremely fun to watch. And then you throw those two guys on the left side of the infield and you're like, wow, they're, they're going to be pretty, pretty good. So there's a lot of complaints about it on Twitter, people upset about the Mets just buying whoever they feel like it. There are a couple owners that have you anonymously come out and trashed Stephen Cohen saying there's a guy that's making it, you know, whatever hard now. I don't, it's all BS to me. I want to know what you think, though. Is Stephen Cohen ruining baseball or is he proving that the other 29 owners in the league are just a bunch of cheapskate D bags that need to start spending their money? Otherwise, they should sell the team. I get the point of com- of the complaint. I mean, it's Twitter. You can complain about anything there anyway. That's why it's such an awful place. But he's not ruining baseball. That's just a ridiculous argument. Um, and I'm sure uh, Reinsdorf's one of the 
guys getting pretty pissed because he he was one of the guys that uh, I think voted against Cohen. I think it was him, uh, Reds, uh, Art Moreno, and uh, yep. one other one that have tried to stop him. So it, it, it's kind of a – it's such a stupid argument to make. It, it would be like – I don't. I, I don't even know a, a real, a realistic comparison where. I, I think I do think something's going to come out of it though. Um, whether it's some kind of a more of a hard cap or a floor, but I do think this is going to eventually lead to some changes, especially because it is going to affect other owners and their ability to win. But it's also a wake up call for the ones who don't spend, uh, the ones who are spending. They I don't think they have to anything to worry about but the the pirates the the marlins the reds those those types of owners it, it it's going to affect them a lot uh and for the better for the fans absolutely so we got a couple questions here before we get to those though i do want to you brought up jerry reinsdorf the mets luxury tax penalty is more than any contract the chicago white Sox have ever given out just want to say that about Jerry Reinsdorf really quick. So Aldo wants to know, Tim, can you please tell us what's prevail what's the prevailing feeling amongst Mets fans about the Cubs organization? Um, I mean, about the Cubs, uh, we, we were willing to take a risk on Cody Bellinger until uh, we got Nimmo. Um, you know, personally, I, I, I don't think the Cubs have had that good of an offseason. I think what they do next offseason will really say what they do this winter. Uh, Swanson isn't really the big impact move that I was hoping that they could make for themselves. I was hoping they would get one of the other shortstops, uh, whether it be Correa, Turner. Uh, I was Bogarts, I think, would have been a great fit for them, um, especially with that Red, Red Sox connection. Um, I, I, I don't think they've done enough. They've, they got Tyone. Um, it, but they're not making the kind of moves I think that they need to make. I think they're they're a one big bat and one big arm away from really being taken seriously. Absolutely. They're very interesting. And then Joe Mando wants to know, what about the physical concerns for Carlos Correa? Do you have any concerns there? I don't have any concerns. I, it does... I guess it is a concern, so I just lied. But I, I would like to know what what it was that um, held him up from getting signed with the Giants. But you know, the Mets do have a pretty big wide opening at the DH spot if there was an issue. So they could always do uh, what the Phillies did with Bryce Harper last year, just DH him for the whole year. Right now, we still have uh, Eduardo Escobar. He could just be the third baseman and do whatever you want with Vogelback. I don't think he's that important of a player. So. You know, players do age, but Correa is also only 28. I think it was a, that was around the same age Wilmer Flores was when the Mets uh, non-tendered him because of his bad knees, and he's been pretty good for the Diamondbacks and Giants in recent years. So, you know, we might have to suffer through one year of recovery. Um, but again, we don't really know what the medical issue was, and apparently it wasn't enough to have the Mets pass on him. Part of me thinks the medical status of Carlos Correa was the Giants, actually. Cold feet. I've yeah. heard that was a, a big issue for them. Cold feet with a big contract like that. Um, the NL West is a scary place. So, obviously, the Washington Nationals are rebuilding. 
I think they traded Juan Soto. Obviously, they don't have any of their top dogs anymore. But I, the Miami Marlins are hit or miss. Sometimes they have one of the best pitchers in the league with Alcantara. But I am curious. It's a three-headed monster. Philadelphia Phillies were in the World Series. They were defeated by the Houston Astros. The Atlanta Braves have consistently been one of the best teams in Major League Baseball for the last handful of years, including 2021 when they won the World Series. Where do the Mets stand, in your opinion, amongst those three? Did this Correa move put them over the top for good? Do you think all three teams end up making the playoffs? The whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle with the NL West. Uh, or oh, East, I mean, East, I mean, I'm so sorry. I meant East. Yeah, you said you said West before, and I was because uh, I wrote it down as I'm I'm dumb. It's it's like one of those maps you see where where it's like the opposite that they probably have, yes. like in China, yeah. where where you're not sure because because everyone just wants to be on the left hand side. But yes, anyway, I'm just dumb. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, in the National League, uh, how many there's going to be? What uh, six playoff? Is it six playoff teams? Seven? Six I playoff think? teams. Yep. Or is it seven? I, I keep I keep forgetting how many there are. I believe it used to be five. Now it's six. Now it's six. So it's the three from the NL from the NL East, um, the Cardinals, then the Cubs or the Brewers. I think the Cubs can potentially make the playoffs. And the West, it's the uh, Dodgers and um, uh, Padres. the Padres, possibly. So it. it is some one of the teams in the NL East could potentially fall out of it, but I think they all three will make it. The Mets, uh, you know, as they started to make moves, it was more about replacing people. They replaced Degrom with Verlander. Uh, it's a la- kind of lateral, maybe helps them a little bit. They replaced uh, Bassett with Quintana, uh, Walker with Sanga. So they're very lateral moves. The bullpen still needs improvement. But then as soon as they made that Correa uh, deal, as long as it gets official, I think that elevates them above the Braves, who have done very little this offseason. And even the Phillies, who uh, their moves have helped improve them the most. They got Walk- Taiwan Walker from the Mets. He's going to give them that third really good pitcher. And he's the same age Zach Wheeler was when he signed with the Phillies. And they have a lot in common um, if you look at their numbers, the, the injury history, um, and how they're starting to really peak at, uh, right before they turn 30. So I think he's going to be really awesome for them. Um, the, the Braves, you know, they, they've come back and they've overtaken the Mets two years in a row. So we can never count them out, even if they do nothing. Um, I, they, I, that Sean Murphy trade still doesn't make much sense. To me, now they have two pretty good catchers. I mean, Darno was an all-star last year. Then they gave up William Contreras. So I'm not quite sure what's going on with that deal. But, um, yeah, all three teams are going to be very competitive. And I would be surprised if they don't all win at least 85 games, maybe more with the uh, more balanced schedule. Yeah, absolutely. So all these moves that the uh, the Mets have made, though, talk about Correa coming to play third. They signed Omar Narvaez to be catcher. Um, obviously, Jeff McNeil is going to be at second base. They got Eduardo Escobar that could play pretty much anywhere on the infield, depending on injuries or status of games, Sunday lineups, whatever. What does that mean for some of the top prospects in the Mets system? Now, I know Batty was someone to consider for third base this season. Obviously, they have their top prospect, Francisco Alvarez, as a catcher. What do you make of where they're going to handle some of these guys. Are they going to be trade bait if they identify a need come, you know, July? Or 
is there another year of just waiting to see how many? Well, I think with Alvarez, who's the big guy that OMS fans are excited for, it's it's pretty simple. They'll they'll start him in the year in Triple uh, A, and if they need a catcher, he'll get promoted. Um, if they need at bats at the DH, I think he'll also get promoted. So he didn't spend that all that much time in Triple A last year before they called him up at the very end of the year. So. Um, you know, I, I think they'll just start him in the minors and use him as needed. Um, in terms of Batty, um, he's probably going to end up being the future left fielder. So he'll probably spend a lot of time playing left field in the minors this year. He's already had some experience out there. Uh, so that's probably what they'll do because Mark Hanna's on a team option um, for 2024. And, it, yeah, he's been good, but uh, – they would probably like to go younger. Uh, the one prospect who suddenly he's been a guy that they've talked about trading for a while, uh, Ronnie Mauricio, who just won the Dominican winter league MVP. He was, he's a shortstop. So you would think that with Lindor here, he'd already be uh trade bait, but he's been hitting really well. So I was thinking maybe he could be the future third baseman, but now that they have Correa, where are you going to put him? So him and Mark Vientos are two names to definitely watch the Mets possibly, uh, trade this winter or maybe just save them for the deadline. Absolutely. So that's outstanding. There was a surplus of catchers and they traded James McCann. So he's obviously gone, but another returning player I wanted to touch on really quickly is Jeff McNeil. Mm -hmm. He has just been outstanding. He, he, in my opinion, he's the most underrated player on the Mets because everybody knows how good Correa is. Everybody know how good Lindor is. Obviously, there's stars all over the place with the New York Mets, but McNeil was just so good last year, and he's going to help them complete one of the best infields in Major League Baseball. Do you agree with my assessment? I, I, I think you're a closet Mets fan with that assessment. That is just spot on with him. He can play so many positions, and he plays them very well. Uh, he, could, he could save the Mets in so many ways. The fact that they have Vogelbach on the roster, but McNeil can play so many different positions, it allows them to forgo having enough outfielders because he can play left field and right field pretty well. Third base might be one of his weakest, more consistent positions he's played, but he's going to be the starting second baseman, so that's not really an issue. And McNeil last year, he was actually, I think it's been five years in a row, DeGrom led the team in war, even in 2021 when he played half a year. But McNeil actually was the team leader in that uh, category, um, even with Lindor having a really awesome year, Alonzo being his usual terrific self. So it, McNeil is definitely one of the most underrated players in the league. And he, he's just had that one blip in 2021 when a lot of the guys just didn't hit. So I think that the issue was the approach um, – from the whole team and uh, maybe the hitting coach, the hitting coaches that they got rid of Chili Davis. And I don't know if you're familiar with Pete Alonzo came up with this weird um, fate. I don't even remember the guy's name, uh, Donnie Stevenson. There, there's this weird character that he did. And it, it, it was fun at first. And then they started to lose a lot of games and it was just cringy uh, after that. But I, I think that was the issue then. So yeah, McNeil, he, he's already a contender for the, batting title um as long as he keeps doing what he's doing yeah you would think that a 300 average is basically just a a base for him at this point is there anything else about the new york mets that maybe the casual baseball fan or or baseball is a very localized sport in my opinion where like people in chicago they watch the white Sox and the cubs maybe they'll hear the big stories around the league but for the most part they're just watching the Sox or the cubs for people like that 
Tell me something about the New York Mets that might not be seen on SportsCenter that people need to be tuning in for this upcoming season. Um, what they've done this winter uh, before a lot of the big moves was they've added a, a lot of pitchers uh, for depth purposes. Um, guys, uh, they made a trade with the Marlins for Hernandez and uh, Brigham, bring them, bring them, I don't even know the names. They, they have lost a lot of their relievers. Trevor Williams was outstanding for them last year. But they've also signed a lot of guys with minor league options. And I think that's going to be a really big difference for them. The one thing I don't like about their roster last year or even the way it's trending this year is guys that don't have the minor league options. Um, but they were able to convince someone like Tommy Hunter to come back on a minor league deal. So even if he's only with the team for about three weeks, they're definitely building a culture that people want to come back to. You're not sending a guy to a minor league deal and paying him a lot of money because there's only a certain amount you can pay them. So getting all those quality pitchers that can get you through a year, I think that's one of the more underrated things that Billy Epler um, has done this offseason. So that's it's a minor thing, but it's something that that it's a story that we're going to be following very closely. For sure. Tim Boyle, I can't thank you enough for coming on our show. It has been absolutely oh, impressive. It's been impressive, incredible hearing you talk about the New York Mets. I always love when someone as informed as you comes on our show and, you know, gives all the great nuggets that we need. Um, really quickly, someone wants to know, we kind of touched on a little bit, Brett Batty. Is it Batty or Beatty? I don't even Beatty. know. It Beatty. is Beatty. Like okay. Warren Beatty. I'm going to start saying But his right. name's like, his name looks like Bat. So if you've yeah. noticed, the Mets always like Pete Crow Armstrong. They always get guys like like with like a very baseball name Jet Williams they, yes. they, that's like their first round strategy yeah i love that well it's been working for him do you see him as trade bait now i think i think the mets will listen on him but i don't think they're going to pull the trigger um and you know i was actually working on a story about trade candidates for Beatty and both the Chicago teams i think could really use him um and i think one of them is actually a really good fit so I guess you'll just have to tune in to Rising Apple. Yeah, go to risingapple.com and figure out which Chicago team it is that he believes should get um, Brett Beatty. I actually, I'm trying to think of who I had playing third base for the Cubs next year. It wasn't because I just did their perfect lineup for DeWindyCity.com. Obviously. Not Wisdom? No, no, probably not, to be honest with you. Um Wisdom's probably going to either be a DH platoon guy for the Cubs slash first base. Evan Longoria, they're going to sign him? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I had somebody in the starting lineup, but now I can't think of who it was. Obviously, Yoan Moncada for the White Sox. He's great defensively, but he can't hit himself out of a you know, a shoebox. But we'll see what happens. Tim, tell everyone where they could find you on social media. I don't even know my Twitter handle. <laughs> so I don't really care about that. I, I, I'd rather you go to Rising Apple, read some – Mets content, but yeah, I, I tweet far more from the Rising Apple uh, Twitter account, and but yeah, yeah, you don't have I've, to find my personal Twitter. I don't, I barely tweet about baseball anyway. I'm more, way more into like true crime documentaries and stuff like that. So. That's funny. I honestly, I love the back and forth banter with the the Rising Apple account and Southside Showdowns account. It's been it's been fun doing that. I'm trying to find really quick before I let you go who I had in the starting lineup. Oh, here we go. I, I got it. It's loading up right now. The starting lineup that I had the third baseman for the Cubs this year, Christopher Morrell. 
I think oh, will okay, probably not... play third base. Yeah, they they could definitely use someone like Beatty if he ends up hitting in baseball. But Tim, thank you so much for coming on our show. I can't thank you enough. Thank you again. Oh, thanks, Vinny. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll have you back when the Mets trade for Shohei Otani, the Statue of Liberty, and the Empire State Building later this offseason. Everybody, we would like to send you to a quick commercial break. Welcome back to Crosstown Crosstalk. We can't thank you enough to Tim Boyle for coming on our show in the middle of a blizzard. Wow, look at it out there. That is absolutely unbelievable. Um, yeah, a couple nights ago. It was actually two nights ago now. I'm sitting, I'm working. I went out to dinner right before, so I like was a little late on my work for fansided and I'm getting ready to close my computer and go to sleep. It's getting close to being 2 a.m., which is my typical bedtime every night. 1.38 a.m. John Heyman, breaking news, Carlos Correa is going to the New York Mets. Wow, how did that happen? How did we get to the point where he's going to the New York Mets instead of the San Francisco Giants? Before the San Francisco Giants gave him a long-term contract, was going to pay him a boatload of money, he was going to be their new shortstop going forward. That probably, in my estimation, would at least make the San Francisco Giants good enough to compete for a playoff spot. Now, I'm not too sure. Well, you know, they got the Dodgers in their division. They got the uh, San Diego Padres in their division. Obviously, the Cubs have improved. The Brewers are right there. The Cardinals probably win the Central, in my opinion. Then you got the big-headed, the three-headed monster in the East. So I don't know about the Giants, but for the Mets, I couldn't believe that the second they found a thing where Correa might not actually be going to the San Francisco Giants, it's like, whoa, the Mets swooped in and got their guy that they really, really wanted and failed at first, but they... They ended up getting him, and he's going to go play for the Mets. He's going to switch to third base. And in order to read more about that, make sure you go to risingapple.com to read all of Tim Boyle and the great workers for his website right there. It should be a lot of fun. Before that, how annoyed are the Cubs? They signed Dansby Swanson to a seven-year deal right before the Correa drama with the Giants and the Mets became a thing. The Cubs wanted Correa. He was their number one shortstop target, but he ended up going with the San Francisco Giants, so they went with Plan F and went with Dansby Swanson. He's a great player. He had a career year last year, career year and a contract year. Sometimes those are sketchy, but he ended up signing with the Cubs. I think it's a great play. Dansby Swanson's awesome. He's going to be a good player for the Cubs. You move Nico Horner to second base. You use Morel at third for now until they make a move. Obviously, Wisdom and a couple other people are probably going to platoon first base, DH, all that kind of stuff. Seiya Suzuki, Ian Happ, and Cody Bellinger in the outfield. Um, they just signed today Tucker Barnhart, who's going to probably be their defensive-minded catcher. Uh, run him out there, I think, a fair amount of time, along with uh, Jan Gomes, I think is a good catching duo for them in this type of year. But I just think that this Cubs team is going to do really well with Swanson. I don't know if they're a playoff team or anything like that, but it's a step in the right direction. I'm not against bringing in good players. You want to bring in good players, go for it. You know, at least the Cubs 
are at least a little bit more willing to spend money than the White Sox. Do they act like the biggest of big market teams like they should? No. But do they make a lot of teams look foolish sometimes? Yes. They they are at least in on a lot of these guys. They got Seiya Suzuki last year, even though they knew they were going to stink. They got um, Dansby Swanson this year, even though they're probably going to stink for one more year, I would assume. Um, Bellinger, everyone's fallen off a cliff for this Bellinger signing. He stunk the last couple years. I don't see that as a needle-moving move for the Cubs at all, unless he bounces back to the form that allowed him to win the MVP a couple years ago, but I'm just not sure that that's going to be the case anymore. Maybe playing for the Cubs will, or at least just a change of scenery in general, will help Bellinger get back to at least 70% of what he was. You know you're going to get 20 home runs, right? You'll get a couple RBIs. There will be games where he looks like his old self. But I'm rooting for the guy. I hope he's able to figure it out because he was a damn good player back in his heyday with the Dodgers. And it's been bad for him the last couple of years. So the Cubs are going to try and take advantage of it. I touched on Barnhart. Listen, Jan Gomes is probably still going to get a majority of their starts. But I think Barnhart is probably the better of the two catchers defensively. Actually, I think Barnhart is one of the best defensive catchers. He's just a magician behind the plate, and he's legitimately one of the most fun-to-watch catchers in the game. So I think that's a good move for the Cubs. There will be a piece on that on DeWindyCity.com not long after this show comes to an end. So getting pretty excited about that. Um, the White Sox obviously handed out the largest contract in the history of their franchise to Andrew Benintendi last week. It's a little sad that Andrew Benintendi is the highest paid player in the history of the White Sox, but he's a very good player that I do believe will help them. He'll play left field next year. They are going to run Luis Robert in center field and Oscar Colas in the right field. Um, that's going to be their outfield. As long as they're healthy, hopefully Robert can find a way to stay healthy for a majority of the season. That would be really nice because I do think the sky's the limit for the guy. You bring in a guy like Ben Intendley, hopefully they're able to do that. A little more housekeeping with the White Sox. Cade McClure was traded, minor league pitcher who actually played pretty well for the Charlotte Knights last year. He's going to be headed over to the San Francisco Giants where he will pitch for them. And then Gregory Santos is the player returning to the Chicago White Sox in exchange for Cade McClure. Listen, this is a very interesting signing for the Chicago White Sox, or an interesting trade for the Chicago White Sox because Santos can throw 100. Lots of guys can throw 100. What makes Santos special is that his slider also goes extremely fast. And what makes him trouble, though, is the fact that he doesn't have the command of it that you would like to see from a guy who throws that hard. Um, he had overlap with Ethan Katz, the Chicago White Sox great pitching coach in San Francisco. So you would think that maybe Ethan Katz is in Pedro Grafal's ear. Maybe he's in Rick Hahn's ear. Like, hey, let's take a chance on this guy. The San Francisco Giants DFA'd him, designated him for assignment a couple weeks ago or a couple days ago, whatever it was. And now he's headed to the White Sox via this trade. Ethan Katz is going to get him in the Katz lab, and they're going to try and figure it out. I do believe with the stuff that Gregory Santos has, he could join this White Sox team. They did put him on the 40-man. They didn't have Cade McClure on the 40-man, even though he had a good year last year with the Charlotte Knights. So they got a guy that they believe is better. And I'm I'm fairly certain that this is a good trade for the White Sox because even if it doesn't work out for Santos, it's not like they were doing anything with Cade McClure anyway. And I trust Ethan Katz to at least give this guy a chance. So it should be pretty fun to see how that goes. And the White Sox have flamethrowers on their staff. Are they going to be 
you know, as accurate as we'd like to see? Are they going to be as effective as we'd like to see? But let me tell you something. Michael Kopech, Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito, Clevenger, Lynn, these guys can throw gas. They can all touch 100 if they want to. High 90s consistently, though. 97, 98, they're more of pitchers than throwers. Some, or, yeah, more of the pitchers than throwers sometimes. Those guys can get the ball at top speed. Liam Hendricks, Garrett Crochet, all these guys throwing extremely hard. Gregory Santos can do so. Hopefully he's able to bring some of that to this Chicago White Sox team. There's a big weekend of NFL football coming up this week. It's obviously Christmas weekend. Christmas Eve is Saturday. Christmas Day is Sunday. People are enjoying Hanukkah right now as we speak. I believe today's day five. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure today's day five. Happy Hanukkah to all those celebrating Merry Christmas, to all those getting ready. But there's a big weekend of football coming up this weekend, and there's going to be some great, great matchups. Obviously, our Chicago Bears are playing the Buffalo Bills, who are one of the best teams in the NFL, one of my top five Super Bowl contenders. Listen, you got the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the 49ers, and the Eagles. I believe one of those five teams will win the Super Bowl. They're going to come to Soldier Field, though, and play, um, you know, really, really good. I'm sure the Bears don't play teams like that particular well they played well against the eagles and we don't know what the weather is going to be like but buffalo is one of those teams that knows how to handle really really good uh or really really hard weather so but the reason i'm bringing this up is the barroom network is the best place in the world to catch up on your football needs your football programming your football information obviously tonight you are going to want to tune in to fantasy football goon with Joe Mandel and Adam Schwamm at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Listen, I believe most leagues are in the semifinals right now. You want to know how to win your matchup? You tune into this show tonight, 7.30. Joe Mandel, Adam Schwamm, they do great work in helping you win your fantasy football league. I believe you need to go watch that show tonight if you want to advance to your championship week next week because i know if you're watching you're probably playing in at least five leagues and at least one of them you're still alive i would hope and that's that's the hope for this show tonight that you tune in and you listen to your stuff maybe even if you're not alive you still watch the show so you can learn what will make you better next year or strategies for if you do find yourselves in the semifinals over the next couple years believe in yourself Believe in Adam Schwamm. Believe in Joe Mandel. They know what you're doing. you got to tune in and watch. Next week, we will be back on Bar Down Talking Hockey. It will be the post-Christmas celebration where we're getting ready for the new year. The World Junior Classics is about to start. Team Canada and Team USA look outstanding in their prelim games, and their rosters are just outstanding. So Frank Mueller and I are going to break that down, as well as previewing the Winter Classic coming up. In a couple days, they play the day after New Year's Day, January 2nd, so it'll be a big winter classic episode. The Barroom Network has great programming next week, Thursday, Crosstown, Crosstalk. We'll be right back, obviously, all the football shows on the weekend. Those of you watching, if you want expanded coverage from me, you can obviously find my hockey work, the Blackhawks at thewindycity.com, the Devils at pucksandpitchforks.com, and the rest of the NHL at puckpros.com. Obviously, the rest of the Chicago sports teams as well at the Windy City, the Chicago White Sox at Southside Showdown. Plenty of good content coming from me over the next couple days on the sports teams that I cover, and we're in the process of covering another NFL team 
little hint hint for those people watching we're trying to expand the horizons in terms of my football coverage people in a certain town in florida who have a former number one overall pick quarterback playing for them right now who have been extremely hot lately and could potentially end up win their division the fan of that team are going to start wanting to pay attention to me over the next couple days. I think it's going to be really exciting to get into that team. I didn't say it, but I said it. Read between the lines. Follow me on Twitter.com, at Vinny Parisi. Make sure you follow all the great Barroom Network hosts The on Twitter.com. You're going to get great content from them. On Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Time, you're going to get a special Barfly Tailgate show. Several Barroom show hosts pop up to get ready for the Buffalo Bills at the Chicago Bears. Come join us at 9 a.m. Very excited about that. And everybody, I hope, even though it's football season, it's snowing and stuff, we stay baseball, we stay hockey, we stay football, we even stay basketball, we stay TV shows, science fiction, great stuff. I hope everybody's enjoying all the great programming on this network. I love you all. Thank you so much for listening. As always, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays.